Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to season three, part dose of the Popcorn Podcast with Chase, Dan, and Danklin. And let me say, that feels really fucking good to say again. Yeah, we've been on hiatus for about a pregnancy at this point. Yeah. It's been about nine months. We could have had a full term. We, we could have we been on have. season four by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we didn't have a break, this actually probably would have been about the time we started season four, which is funny. Uh, my beautiful co-hosts, Chase, Dan, how have you guys been? We've been talking for the past nine months, but a lot of you guys haven't spoken with us. So I've been good. Uh, I've just been working a lot, you know, kind of <laughs> just doing yes. life. Um, working on my working on my YouTube channel, getting back at uh, at camp, which has been nice. Um, Lego Star Wars came out on Tuesday. That's honestly been the highlight of my life. <laughs> my life was one thing pre Lego Star Wars got the Skywalker Saga. Now post that game, I'm an entirely different human being. You know, I now have something I never had about a different game that came out this year. You already know what that is, but and Chase, yeah. You know, it's funny because whenever anyone asks how are you doing, like what's been going on, you always just say the same thing. It's just working, you know. Just like that's always my answer. It's just so bland, and I really don't have oh. anything happening. I mean, actually, now I think about it, I did get engaged. I guess I was going to say, I was about to say you were not so engaged when we were I, doing this last. So Congrats. I got engaged. Thank you. We um, don't have a wedding date or anything like that. We're still planning it out. I, our, our whole family is like, like when are you getting married? When are you getting married? Like extended family. Our parents don't care. They're like not rushing us. It's all the extended family. It's like, just leave Sounds us alone. Right. Like um, we're figuring it out. It'll, it'll happen eventually. But uh, just enjoying life at the moment and. Uh, it is like 95 degrees in Phoenix today, so it's uh, hot as shit, hot as shit out, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, we had a, our temperatures the last few days were 20 degrees above normal, and I fucking hated it. Oh my lord, it just dropped back down today or yesterday in Southern California. It's it's gonna drop to like 70 for the next couple of days, and it's gonna shoot back up, and I'm enjoying yep, it. That's how I can. we were. Yeah. So. Oh, we're getting close to summer. Uh. The last nine months have been real good for me. Like Dan, I have encountered a game that has changed my life for the better, and that is Elden Ring. Uh, I played that game far, far, far too much in the months of February and March. Uh, Much more than I'd like to admit. Uh, I got a new job working for Marriott Vacations Worldwide, which has been a ton of fun. And I actually came into contact with my new significant other. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, I started dating someone uh, for the last nine months or so, which has been really fun. I I don't want to take away your excitement for Elden Ring, but I do want to point out that I waited for my game for (laughs) five years. Five I waited two or three for Elden what? Ring. Oh my god, though. I no, didn't. not you weren't like waiting. I wouldn't. No, say. I wasn't waiting like you. You had the rug pulled from under you so many times on that game. It's terrible. At least it wasn't bad. Could you imagine if it was? It's going okay. I was just talking about. You said you're waiting five years for this game, and I just chimed in that 
is the same as Cyberpunk, except, you know, Cyberpunk sucked after, and everyone waited three years for that, so that's all I was chiming in about. That game fucking sucked. Luckily, mm-hmm. my game does not suck. My game has exceeded all expectations that I had. That's and it, good, and just, just to kind of rub it in a little bit more, it beat Elden Ring on Steam, and it is now, uh, has more sales. Okay, yeah. In the active in the sales or active users sales that's surprising oh people more people can buy that game i mean it's yeah, it's, it's a lot more accessible the yeah. elden ring is wonderful though i it is likely my favorite game of all time and it's a million times better than i ever could have hoped which is good uh but enough with the super nerdy stuff now we're going to get into like the cool nerdy stuff which is the news All right, guys, we're going to be talking about the biggest news event within the entertainment sphere uh, this year, and that is the 94th Academy Awards. And even if you don't watch the Academy Awards yearly, which isn't everyone, you've definitely heard about this year's awards. So for the Academy Awards, there were a lot of good winners this year. The Best Picture winner, which we unfortunately... uh, took the gamble and didn't watch was coda we tried to watch all of the uh, all of the nominees and we did looking at this list we did pretty damn well too fast drive my car yeah and coda and i still have no interest in seeing those movies yeah Um, i'm 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 on the same boat i just i Watching Power of the Dog was punishment enough. If you liked that movie, I apologize. But holy shit, that was a fucking grueling movie for us to watch. I think our Oscar nominee binge was very all over the place. Some were absolutely terrible, and then some were really great and really enjoyable. Like Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Yeah. What were your guys' favorite from the, the nominee list? Dan, you can't say Dune because we already know what we'll be doing. Okay, so uh, other than Dune, I really, I really, really enjoy West Side Story. I think, um, you know, the ambition it probably took to want to remake a film that was made seventy years ago and was so successful is already kind of crazy, and it's already kind of like I don't know if you should do that. And they did it very well. And Steven Spielberg, I think, did a really good job with that movie. I really enjoyed the singing and the dancing, and I think he did a good job with the essence of it. And then I'd say licorice pizza. And then if I had to pick a third, it'd be Nightmare Alley. Okay. Um, for me, I think, I don't know. I think I like Don't Look Up the most, uh, honestly. I like that one a lot. I, I, I enjoyed it the first time. It wasn't like anything special. But then when I rewatched it with you guys, like I just caught on to more lines. And it's just, mm. there's so many one-liners in that movie that make it absolutely hilarious. And um, same with licorice pizza. I only got to watch it once, but... I think it was really good. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. I thought it was kind of a creepy concept. Um, but it yeah, we made a bunch of jokes about that. It ended up being a pretty good movie. Um, and then same, I think Nightmare Alley uh, would probably be my third favorite out of the list. I thought it was really good. Um, and I was really surprised on that. I will say with Don't Look Up, I enjoyed the movie, but I also really didn't enjoy it because of how... Yeah angry i found myself getting through mm-hmm. which is a testament honestly just to the movie itself and how like well it was directed and written because it invoked such a 
visceral like hatred from me that it's one of those movies that I walked away saying it was good, but also I never want to watch it again. Right. I I remember watching it together. It was quite the emotional provocation. Uh, I loved don't look up. It's probably my favorite from the best picture nominees just because I've watched it like three or four times. I watched it for the first time with you guys. Loved it then. Showed it to my mother. Showed it to Ash. Um, I may have watched it a fourth time as well. Just absolutely enamored with the film. Um, my second is Nightmare Alley, Alley. I thought it was... The first time we watched it, the first hour, I'm just like, okay. Mm-hmm. It was... It really had me like... I'm barely paying attention. And then it picks up really fucking fast. And it absolutely just hooks you in after that. And then on a rewatch, I was paying attention the entire time to every single detail. And I loved it. Uh, my third favorite is actually West Side Story. Uh, I Again, that's another movie that when I watched it with you guys, I liked it. But I wasn't over the moon with it, as you guys remember my reaction. I watched it again with my family. And I just appreciated it a lot more. I don't know what it was. I just the rewatch made me appreciate it a lot more. I liked the songs more. I liked everything more. Uh, Maybe being with your family as well, uh, in a way, it felt more personal because yeah, your yeah. family is Spanish, and so and my mother hadn't seen it before. Right, the original. Yeah, she never saw oh. the original. Never saw the new one. Um, and I watched it with her and my stepfather. Um, and yeah, because she ended up watching the original. No, we did not watch the original. We just watched the new one because it was the day of the Oscars. Are you planning on it? Not immediately, but I definitely think that's something we will do. I think you should. I think so too. Um, I had some family in town too. Like my Tia was here and she like was obsessed with both the original and the new one. She liked the new one more uh, because they actually used Latino actors for it. Rather than the original, the only Latino is it is uh, Rita Moreno. Uh, so she really likes the new one more than the original. But yeah, I think West Side Story was my number three. And then, again, that's like Dune not being in it. Because if Dune was in it, Dune would be my number one or two between that. And know. then the best picture was one that none of us uh, saw or want to see which is okay because i also do think that though i don't want to watch it i can still recognize the importance of what the film was and also the significance of like it winning and the history being made about you know the first fully asl kind of you know uh led film is really really cool slightly off topic you know what i thought was a weird choice for production at the Oscars. The only film that used an interpreter was Coda. No, none of the other awards had an interpreter, which I feel like that should be. While we're on the topic, I think the production at the Oscars as a whole was very strange. Yes. Um, not only did they only use ASL speakers during things that had to do with Coda, but also when Daniel Kaluuya and her walked out on stage, they played Africa by Toto, which yep. <laughs> was very strange. And a lot of people on Twitter were definitely like, why the hell are they playing this song? The song has makes no sense right now in the moment. And then uh, not only that, but when Encanto won Best Animated Film, yep. 
they just started randomly playing a Mark Anthony song from 2002, yeah. which is not even the same. Uh, no, he's Puerto Rican, I believe, right? Yeah, and the movie of Encanto is made after Colombia, so that's not even the same uh, region of Spanish-speaking people. And so it was just a very interesting production at the Oscars. It was funny. It was really funny. The one I'm most willing to excuse is Mark Anthony, because, you know, it's all right. It's the same language. I'm a really big fan of Mark Anthony. Most Spanish speakers I know are pretty decent fans of Mark Anthony. I was willing to let that one slide. The other two, on the other hand... I don't know. Toto, Africa, that song slaps, though. It does. It slaps, but but having two African-American people come out on stage and you start playing that song, that's a very strange uh, song to choose. Uh, My my dad, his car, whenever he plugs his phone in, it immediately plays the first song in alphabetical order, and it's Africa by Toto every single time. So I've heard that song about a million times in my life. Mine is 18 by Ed Sheeran. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> mine is surprisingly all the things that i've done by the killers nice and i feel like I- most people have alternative rock bands as their number one song mm-hmm. right off the bat like it's either the killers or what, what did i say oh ed sheeran he's like an alternative you know indie kind of yeah. guy i remember davin had uh a a punk by vampire weekend oh yeah i had yeah. that too at one point yeah then i deleted the album <laughs> that's great alright well that is the best picture winner for the other awards we'll go by them kind of rapid fire the best actress in a leading role went to Jessica Chastain for the eyes of Tammy Faye I did not see that film I don't know if either of you did I want to see it it's on um, I forget what it's on but Rachel and I were going to watch it it looked pretty good Um, interesting concept it does look good and now that she's won i i feel like i do want to kind of just see her performance specifically and also andrew Mm -hmm. garfield's in it so two really great actors he he is really great best actor in a supporting role went to troy coatser none of us can really comment on it because none of us watch coda aside from the fact that he is the first uh asl speaking oscar winner that's really that makes sense he made history that night that's fucking. There was a lot of people that made history that night. It, that's really cool. Best actress in a supporting role went to another history maker, Ariana Du Bois. She was the first woman of color that also openly queer. Correct. That won that award. So it's like a double. It's a double history making. She's the first openly queer, uh, um, Latino, uh, African American. Yep. It's it's really fucking cool. Uh, and it also makes the role of Anita a double Oscar winner. That's a, that's the cool part right there. Yeah. Some other awards. When she won, five feet away from her was Rita Moreno. So that's yeah, like man. probably a really cool moment for Ariana to be able to experience. Mm-hmm. Rita Moreno looks amazing for her age too. Just wanted to throw that out there. Oh my lord, does she look good for her age? Good for her. Some other awards before we get into the big award of the night, which surprisingly wasn't Best Picture. Was Dune taking home six awards? Uh, it got best original score, editing, cinematography, production design. Billie Eilish took home her first Oscar win for her single "No Time to Die." That was in the new James Bond film "No Time to Die." It is the and, fourth uh, James Bond song to win an Oscar. Did Adele win really? it? Like Adele for ago. Skyfall. Um, Sam Smith for I think it's called "Writings on the Wall." Yeah, um, and then. And then I, 
for, I can't remember who the other. It it's was the guy the from Casino movie. Royale, right? Yeah, it's whoever sang yeah. for Casino Royale. So all the new ones have won, essentially. The, right. Basically, it's almost like uh, if you are asked to do a song for Bond, you are kind of automatically in the running for an Oscar. Right. That's cool. Chris Cornell, that's the guy's name. Yep. Uh, Casino Royale, yeah. And Billie Eilish also, in her own kind of way, made history because she is the first American to do a James Bond uh, song. All the really? other people who have done James Bond songs are like British singers and stuff like that. Nice. She's got an amazing voice. Really reminds me of Adele when she was young, too. And the best animated film went to Encanto, which we all enjoyed. It's an amazing film, and I really, really have enjoyed it. But you watched the Oscars, right? Oh, yeah. I saw the performance for Dos uh, Oreguitas. Absolutely loved that to death. It was a great performance, and obviously, I understand why that was the song that they chose to submit for their yes. Oscar category. However, I personally love the song, We Don't Talk About Bruno, as oh, does the world. So damn it's, it's taken storm. It's actually become more successful than Let It Go, which, as most people know, Let It Go has become the anthem of Disney in many ways. Yep. Um, and it has more streams than that. So... When I found out that they were doing a live performance of We Don't Talk About Bruno at the Oscars, I was extremely excited. Uh, and then I watched it. And not only were a lot of the singers in the song off-key and off-beat and kind of behind the music a little bit, but they changed pretty much the entire song to make yep. way for Megan The Stallion to make some rap. And two other artists that I honestly can't even remember who they were. Yeah. I and thought it was a terrible performance. It was very disappointing. And me and my other friend who are obsessed with We Don't Talk About Bruno and obsessed with Lin-Manuel Miranda were very disappointed by it. Yeah. I honestly don't remember reading much about it. I mean, there was some more news that took over that night, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um but oh lord, yeah, I was not a fan of the performance. I don't know why Megan the Stallion had to do a verse, and it wasn't very good. Uh, it wasn't good. And the thing is, is that song slaps. Yeah, that song is incredible the way it is. Yeah, they got rid of the Dolores part. They got rid of the what's his the Santana part. What's the kid's name? Um, Camilo. Yes. <laughs> the Santana part is the best way to describe it. It sounds like a Santana song in that part. And they yeah. got a, they got rid of the most quintessential Disney princess part, which is Isabella's part. Yep. They got rid of all of, like the random people ranting about Bruno, which is great. And the thing that's interesting is all of those singers were there. Really? <laughs> they were all there on stage singing. It's just they took all their parts away so that there was all these other parts and it was just, I don't know. It was disappointing. But like you said, there was a lot of interesting and very historical moments or just, you know, trending moments. Either it was really good about how Ariana was making history or Coda was winning best picture or really bad about the performance of we don't talk about Bruno, but all of it was completely overshadowed by the biggest moment of the night, which was, Probably further known as the slap. 
forever like in history. It'll be in textbooks. I mark my words. It'll be in textbooks <laughs> one day. And like drama classes in college. <laughs> kids will be Media doing marketing. Kids will be doing scenes in theater. Can I can I say this before we get more into it? It was the most interesting. Let's let's say what it is. Okay. So for those of you who have not become aware, which I'd honestly be shocked if you aren't aware of what happened. You, you don't own a um, phone. <laughs> Will Smith had gone on stage and smacked the shit out of Chris Rock using Chris Rock's own words and then proceeded to cuss him out. And oh boy, was it spicy. In response to an a really sour joke yes. made at Jada Pinkett Smith's behest, behest? by Chris yes. Rock. It uh, let me let me say this before we get into it because oh boy, there's a lot to talk about. It is the most entertaining event on television for the last decade. I completely I agree, and I think more than anything, uh, it got people talking about an award show that nobody was talking about. No one was watching. That was it. like a billion dollars in advertising in a single slap. Yeah. Well, it's people are we're talking about this two weeks later. People, I mean, that's crazy. Like no one talks about the Oscars two weeks later. We're not talking about a movie. We're talking about something that happened at the Oscars. It, it, it's so crazy how much money it's just bringing into this one event. I don't know. Yeah, so Will Smith smacked the shit out of Chris Rock because Chris Rock made a G.I. Jane joke about Jada Pinkett Smith that was really sour due to Jada Pinkett Smith having a chronic health condition that caused her hair loss. Um, and it caused a whole ordeal. Um, in response, Will Smith had issued an apology. I think his speech for winning Best Actor for King Richard that night was honestly really good. It seemed like it was from the heart. I loved it as someone who does public speaking. Um, and Will Smith's publicly apologized since he has revoked his membership from the Academy and has recently been barred from attending any events put on by the Academy for the next decade. Pretty, pretty harsh punishments. Um, he's accepted them all in stride. Uh, but oh boy, let's get into the nitty gritty details of this because there's a lot. I personally feel like one of the biggest reasons why this is such a a big deal for people is because of the fact that it was on live television and not just live television. Cause you know, there's, there's like Super Bowl live television and then there's yep. like the Oscars, which has a much more, um, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of appears to be a much more, you know, professional situation. And it's also on a family program. It's on ABC. So, yep. you know, the idea that families are watching this is probably high. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's one of the uh, a big deal for people. But I I feel like personally, and I, this may get me in trouble, this may be a controversial opinion, but I feel like Will Smith's reaction was more than normal in my opinion. And I also think that when you take into consideration that him and Chris Rock have known each other, personally for over 40 years i think 
maybe for a moment, Will Smith went to go smack the shit out of someone he knew very well. And then five seconds later, realized where he was, who he was with, where he was surrounded. I think in the moment, he necessarily maybe didn't think about the the situation. Because like you said, Frankie, I also agree that his acceptance speech was really uh, heartfelt. And it felt very off the cuff. It didn't feel at all thought out or rehearsed. I felt like every word he was saying, he was saying like directly in that moment, he had just thought it. He was. Um, and so I, that also just made me believe like he completely realizes like, holy shit, I just fucked up. And ho- and I, I, obviously a bunch of actors we've seen behind the scenes footage and pictures of other actors consoling him basically the rest of the the evening. So one can only imagine that some of those conversations probably were like, it's going to be bad. Or this was a big deal. So for him, I just feel like I uh, completely understand going up on stage and and making the entire speech about, I'm sorry for what I just did, you know, an hour ago. And I think that, you know, me and Frankie have talked about a little bit. I think that when you look at Will Smith and Chris Rock, who are two similarly aged African-American actors who both kind of started in the late 80s, early 90s. I feel like there has to be some level of friendship there or, 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 or even more so a, a deeper level of familiarity, which is why I think the joke bothered him so badly. I think maybe if the joke was told by somebody else, who knows how that reaction would have been. But I think because they have a, 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 a history, that joke bothered him 10 times more than if it was just, say, James Corden on stage talking out of his ass. That's kind of my opinion on that situation. I agree with most of that opinion. Chase, as someone who didn't watch the evening but only has seen it, so I was just gonna say, like, I agree with what you're saying, Dan. But at the same time, like, he, you can tell that he guy regrets what he did. But it's not like he, like, like, oh shit, I fucked up. Like, the guy walked a hundred feet to slap him. He didn't just slap the guy in front of him. Like, yeah, yeah. There, he had plenty of time to like change his mind of what he was going to do or be like hey man that's not cool whatever and honestly like i understand slapping someone for making fun of your wife and someone you care about like that's an understandable thing to do like being pissed in that situation but like that wasn't the right moment and i could understand like you can laugh the joke off because that's what professionals do and they can talk about it later on and say hey like i really didn't appreciate that joke man like can you apologize to my wife for doing that? And that'd be a lot more understandable than slapping the guy and then walking back to her seat and saying, keep her name out of my fucking mouth. Like, I thought that yeah. was so obnoxious. I, I respect what he did for standing up for his family in that regard. But like, I mean, it was a little uh, extra. He fucked up and he knew he fucked up. Uh, and I think everyone kind of agrees. He, he, he fucked up. I do think that for some reason, like, I I agree with what you're saying, Chase. Like for me, when he screamed, that to me was almost more disgusting. I, I don't know. I, honest? I don't know why, but with the slap to me was like shocking. But I, I think I do believe that him screaming and the profanity made it a more uh, nasty moment. Mm. And I think overall, that's the part that like bothers me the most was like on a family program he like was cussing more so than just the slap itself 
I agree with him yelling more than going up and slapping the guy. If he was just yelling, <laughs> saying, don't fucking say that, and that's all he did, oh, it would have been so much like more appreciated. The, uh, probably a wide general audience because they're just like, wow, like that's cool. But the fact, because all these, you know, keyboard warriors, like he assaulted him, he should go to jail, shit like that. Like, like that's calm what down, we're man. talking about. Yeah, like just chill. Judd Apatow like, said that he could have killed yeah, Chris Rock. That was one of the most hilarious things. And the memes coming out about that are even funnier. Just people making fun <laughs> of how obnoxious of a thing that is. His daughter, Maud Apatow, tweeted her, her dad and said, delete this. And he did. <laughs> and he did. He deleted it. No, get him up. It's, it was just a slap. That's what I'm just like, come on. It was really fucking entertaining. I'm sorry. But like, yeah, he fucked up. I know he fucked up. It was a bad thing. But also like, holy shit, that was some content. Well, and I loved every second of it. Uh, so, you know what I didn't love about it? This is going to sound a little fucked up, but I'm going to explain myself. Jada Pinkett Smith. Her uh, reaction yeah, sure to this oh. has, like, come on. I I get it. I don't want to sound misogynistic. That's your husband. That's your man. Stand by his side. Fuck, yell at him all you want privately. But when the entire world is against your husband and you're just going to throw him under the bus like that, like, dude. dude. I agree, and I, I think that... Uh... It's interesting that she's gone on interviews and said not only that she disagrees with his actions, but then has gone even further and been like, I never wanted to marry him. It's like, oh, oh, damn. No, I was just going to say, like, that's like the most, I don't know, you know, like the word to describe it, but it's like Chris Rock could have said so many other things about their relationship, about the fact that she fucks younger boys and shit, and he's just a cuck and everything like that. And I'm sure he can't say that stuff on television. But like, come on, like that's what's gonna. Obviously, something's wrong with Will Smith, and so that's his tipping point right there. But like, um, I don't know, just the way she treats her husband, like what you're saying, Dan. Yeah, that's uh, even the he's more been through the ringer. Man. Yeah, I, like I don't know if you guys have seen, but there's a video circulating right now that she posted to her Instagram later deleted. But obviously, that people do, bad. People do their jobs and they screen record it. You've, you've both seen it? No, I haven't. I so haven't. it's a video of basically her turning the camera to him and saying, what is your opinion on blank, 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 blank? And he goes, uh, I would say, don't film me randomly and not tell me about it. So he like doesn't answer her question, basically, and just says, I would say not to just put the camera on me. How about that? And she goes... You see, guys, you see what I have to deal with? This nonsense. She's like, this is why we're going to therapy. And then she puts the camera back on him. And he's like, okay. He's like, social media is my bread and butter. You do not need to be using my face right now to get followers and to be getting. And, and like, this is going on in the video. And a lot of people, just by analyzing him kind of the way they did Britney, a lot of people feel like he's in a situation that seems a little dangerous. And he seems maybe people are throwing out the word like hostage not able to like communicate with the world type of thing you know people go crazy but they were right about britney so true I, well he is definitely mentally ill in some regard maybe i don't know yeah, like, yeah I, he's been very open about it too yes and so i don't know i just add that he but, has gone through it the past few years it's, just humiliated publicly and I, it's very open about his struggles and i respect that so much which is why I feel really for him sympathetically in the situation. But man, it's just, I get it. Jada is also very open publicly, but there's something like, don't humiliate your husband like that. 
like just don't do it just and then like belittle him on a live stream when he's like asking you very calmly and appropriately and maturely like hey like not right now don't film me i like i'm going like every, the world knows what he's going through and she's just completely disrespecting him he looks like he's crying in the video he is mm. he is he's holding back tears you should watch it chase if you haven't seen it i can yeah, find it. send it to me so why if she's saying i haven't seen this that she's saying like i shouldn't have married him like both her kids are adults now right like you can divorce right it's not like you have to raise a family at this point um it's not like their relationship dynamic is very confusing and strange to me it's like an open relationship but still well well, but the thing is it seems like he's not getting any of the benefits of an open relationship she's getting all of the benefits and he's just kind of living with it um I, I don't know. That's usually how open relationships are. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, they were like, they've seen this a bunch of times of when somebody's in an abusive relationship and they are the abuser, they will film somebody randomly pushing their buttons after, like, oh, they've already pushed their buttons behind the scenes. Then they'll start filming them to get a reaction to be like, see how they treat me. When in reality, they are the abuser. And so they're like, what Jada's doing seems like textbook abuse of like her trying to show the public his reaction. When in reality, she's been pressing him probably for 30 minutes before she started filming to make him jump to be like, see, he this he's crazy. This is how he treats me. Mm-hmm. It gives me Amber Heard vibes. Mm, that's it a good gives example. Me Amber Heard vibes. Um, I will say the interview that Jada did for Red Table Talk about not wanting to marry Will is a few years old. That's been getting a lot of her old interviews have been getting dredged up, but the live stream was very recent, and that's where I was just like, "Come on, stand this was by after her. the Oscars." This yes, live the live stream okay. was after the Oscars. This was like a few days ago. Mm. It is April eighth, tenth when we're filming this. That was probably like two or three days ago. Oh wow, okay, yeah, really recent. Um. So it's just a shit show. I feel bad for Will. Like I, he's taking his punishments uh, and accepting them, which I think is really good because you fucked up. You, there's punishments. Um, but Jada is the one in the situation where at first I felt terrible for her because everyone was dogging her in the media, and then she just threw her husband under the bus. I'm just like, Oof. so she lost me there. I guess so. We could go into this more now. I guess, but the most unfortunate part about all of this is like. It overshadows him winning an Oscar for best for best actor. It overshadowed like, the entire night. Like whenever you think of if you watch King Richard in ten years and you're watching Will Smith, you're gonna be like, he won the award and he slapped the shit out of Chris Rock at this event. Like that's what you're gonna remember. You're not gonna really remember he won best actor, and that sucks for him. And but I, I don't know. It sucks for him, and it sucks for all the other winners. Like you know, nobody's talking about the history that Coda right. made or the history that Ariana's made because you know, in any other year, it, they would have been talking about this, but instead, it's mm-hmm. all been Will Smith and Chris Rock, and so it is a bummer. It soured, a, honestly, other awards too. Right. The only people it's benefited is the Oscars and uh, Chris Rock because he's selling out a stand-up comedy tour right now because everyone wants to see him. So there's only literally two winners out of this, I think. I, I agree. The fact that the it was the Grammys, all the jokes were about Will Smith, which I thought was just really corny. Like, come on, please write a better joke. It, it really is the talk of the town, to say the least. Um, but that's all my thoughts on the on the situation, guys. Yeah, that's 
that's pretty much what I got to say. I will say, though, that uh, if he has to give back his Oscar, Harvey Weinstein has to give back all 88 of his. Wild, he has 88. Dude, well, yeah, come on. There's so many pedos and rapists. And it's like Will Smith can not be forced to give back his Oscar. That would just be ridiculous if he was I, I don't think he will. I hope not. All right. The next piece of news is actually something that's pretty exciting. It has come out a couple weeks ago, but obviously this is the first episode of season. What is it? 2.5. Is that what we're calling this or 3.2? 3. 3. Yeah. 3.2. 3.2. <laughs> 3. uh, House of the Dragon got an announcement, uh, an official release date, which is going to be August 21st which is super exciting. And also the Lord of the Rings spinoff show rings of power uh, coming out on Amazon prime is going to be September 12th. So that's Tons of promos for that one. Super exciting. I think I was to say, I think what's so funny about this is Lord of the Rings got announced like a month or two ago. And then game of Thrones just came in and cucked them. Like we're going to put our show out two weeks before you and no one's going to watch your show on Amazon prime. Do you think that's the case? Because I still have a sour taste in my mouth from the end of Game of Thrones. I do too, but I'm like, I'm ready to be, I'm ready to forgive, and I'm ready to see what's going to happen. And I'm excited. I'm not super excited for the show. I'm going to watch it, of course, and I'll be excited once I watch it, I assume. I'm way more excited for Rings of Power. So I'll be completely honest. I thought that the promo for Rings of Power, in a negative way, gave me Hobbit vibes. Um, it looked very saturated and very CGI, which is yeah. not the Tolkien verse I typically like. I enjoy mm-hmm. the realistic New Zealand looking uh, environment, not the mm-hmm. overly saturated, colorful, like animated version of New Zealand. So that's that that promo for that show was a little off putting when we got that for the Super Bowl. I'm very excited for House of Dragon. George R.R. R. Martin actually recently was in an interview where he said he saw the first two episodes and he said that he, for the first time, is happy he sold the right <laughs> to HBO, which to me was a very profound statement. For the first time, he was happy to sold, he sold the rights to HBO. Um, and also, I'm in a different perspective from you guys. You guys finished season eight and then kind of, in many ways, put to bed Game of Thrones, where... I have my reaction channel where for the last year I've been doing it with Addy. So I've been reliving the glorious, magnificent, amazing show that is Game of Thrones. And so for me, and I'm very prepared to have this conversation with her when we watch season eight in two weeks. And I'm a little concerned that she may or may not lose her love of the show i'm very prepared to tell her you cannot let this season destroy everything you just saw all those six seasons of fantastic television that we have been reacting to for the last year you cannot let that season ruin it and that's how i feel about that's how i feel about the game of thrones show but also the prequel like i just feel like it's a new show new thing i'm ready to be back in the world of restaurants and i know that hbo in many ways i think learned a lesson and i don't think that the same mistakes will be made in this show and it's got an incredible cast like an absolutely incredible cast and it just it's just a teaser trailer that came out i mean it's like 50 seconds long but it looks good i mean a lot better than the lord of the rings on super bowl sunday i'm excited for lord of the rings but i 
I'm a huge well, Tolkien fan. Uh, with Lord of the Rings, it's just crazy because, like you said, it looks oversaturated, and it, I think they said it's like a hundred million dollars per episode. Oh, um, it's the most it's, expensive show. And I'm like, where that trailer that looked like Twilight. It looked like Twilight. Some of right. the animation okay. in that trailer literally looked so overly saturated and it was so off-putting. And it kind of I, I remember getting on Discord immediately after with Frankie and his girlfriend, and I was like, it gave me the Hobbit vibes in a negative yeah. way. I love the Hobbit, but all the negative things about the Hobbit, that's what that promo gave me. All right. Yeah. I'm I mean, really excited for it. I'm overlooking the negative because I admit. The most negative thing, honestly, is that it's on Amazon, in my opinion. That that's where I'm just like, all right. The Amazon one thing the Amazon has, in my opinion, is The Boys and Invincible. Yes. And both those are amazing shows. I just rewatched The Boys as well. Fucking oh my god, it's so good. I can't wait for season three. Oh, I can't either. I, me and Ash just binged the entire thing in like two days this week. Um it was all my days off from work and we binged it all and it was great. Um I'm real excited for Rings of Power. I'm not super excited for House of the Dragon, but I'm expecting to like it nonetheless. Um, Plus, I think that I, this is maybe just my opinion, but the Targaryens have always been the most interesting family yeah. in, that, in that world. And so I just think an entire show that's not about one in exile, but rather a bunch of them in power with a bunch of dragons. I think it'll be cool. It'll be cool. It'll be really cool to see uh, King's Landing um, when the Targaryens roll and, and just, ha- yeah, you don't have just Daenerys and her loser brother from the first season. You get to see the whole family thousands yeah. of years and, ahead. And having characters react to dragons in not a surprised way, but right. in a much more like nonchalant way will be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Well, other television news is, is officially been announced that Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul will be returning to Better Call Saul. I don't the, know if either What is that universe called? Is that called the like the Heisenberg verse? Like what I is Oh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, this Breaking, Breaking bad. bad. BBU. <laughs> Breaking BBU. Bad. Have either of you guys watched Better Call Saul? No. I, have not. I actually watched the first episode like 3 years ago and, and I just I never it. kept it going. I watched it yeah. live and I hated okay. the episode. Um didn't watch the rest of the show. I have friends who swear by the show. They're like, Frank, I thought the same thing. You're going to fucking love it. You just need to watch it. I'm like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And the show has amazing reviews. And yes. I forget his name, but the actor who plays Saul has won yeah. Emmys for this role. Yes, he He's has. dominated every year. The show's always dominated. It just never wins. But that's Now that, nothing. like... It's at the end of it, because I feel like it's been running for like 10 years, and it's only got like four or five seasons. Uh, but now that it's at the end, and we're getting Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul, I'm like, okay, I'm probably willing to give it a shot. And I think So does that mean that we've caught up to oh, I, think more, I think we've more than caught up. I think they caught up like a season ago. Hmm. I think this is going to be like middle of Breaking Bad, because they're already together, you know? I don't. Well, Oh, well, true, Jeff- true. They're already, he's already bald and they're already oh, running a drug empire. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Walt and Jesse are already together in the promo. It's not like they're meeting. We've already seen them meet each other. Mm. Um, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see where it runs concurrently. Uh, I just heard great things about the show. So I'm, I've also heard the most, what's it? 
incredulous take that I do not support at all. Uh, someone said it was as good, if not better, than Breaking Bad. I'm like, all right, you need to chill. You need to sit down. He's like, I know what I'm saying. No, you don't. I haven't uh, seen Breaking Bad since I watched it for the cha- for this, and I really want to rewatch it. I just I I have an urge yeah. to rewatch that show. Just talking about this. I just want to watch season five. Just rewatch that whole season. I love season two. That's a good I season. thought season two's like the whole plane situation was such a yeah. great storyline. I love the mm-hmm. entire show. It's one of the best written, if not the best written show I've ever seen on television. Every single scene matters. Every mm-hmm. everything matters. It's great. Last little bit of news we have today is the most profitable, biggest, largest, bigly hit ever to hit theaters grossing over one trillion dollars in tickets sold morbius hashtag morbius sweep baby the film that we bore so much i'd rather watch cats than even watch this a single time that's saying something yeah yeah it is i really dislike jared leto like really dislike him and so already when it was announced that he was going to be in a marvel movie playing this character i already was like what and then when i saw the first trailer half of it looked good half of it didn't look good so i was like okay maybe this could be a good movie i don't know we'll see i'll give it a chance and then the reviews have come out and it has just been so clear that this is not a movie I need to spend a dime on, and uh, I will not be. <laughs> I love I, that there's an avid fan base trying to like defend it and prop it up with hashtag Morbius sweep. It's fucking hilarious. I saw um, online the other day, someone's like, congratulations to Jared Leto for being in the worst DC and Marvel movie. <laughs> what DC? Oh. Suicide Squad and Justice League, yeah, all of them that he's in. (laughs) Jared Leto is just kind of an asshole, and I don't think he's a very good actor. Uh, I don't think that's a controversial take either. I don't think he's a good actor, and I think he's a very pretentious actor when it comes to the way he speaks about himself. I've unfortunately decided to watch interviews of him before in my life and Mm -hmm. all the time he'll be in an interview and he'll be and just the way he speaks about himself and his way of acting he comes across very pretentious and so on screen and off i've never enjoyed his his presence so you know he's a method actor right yes and method acting isn't an issue for me i don't have an an issue with method acting but. I don't have a mis- an issue with it because I know a lot of actors that method act that are incredible actors and also incredible human beings in real life. Um, I mean, I don't obviously know them in real life, but yeah. like, they don't they don't have things about them that are negative in real life. Hold on, yeah, yeah. Did um did Jared Leto win an Oscar for uh, Dallas Buyers Club? He did. Yes, for playing a trans character as a straight white man. How do you uh, method act that? Yeah. What was your process like, Jerry? What were you doing over there? <laughs> no, but I, I know a lot of actors that method act that are extremely good at it and, and, and are good people. Evan Peters is a method actor. Sarah Paulson is a, is a method actor. Lady Gaga is a method actor. And they are incredible actors. And they are also people that have incredible 
praise about their personalities in real life. I just think Jared Leto's a cock. Yeah. Uh, There's a reason I brought up the method acting, though. There are credible and certified reports from set that Jared Leto refused to break character at all because he's a method actor. (laughs) Uh, So much so that he only would use crutches to go to the restroom and would take so long on his bathroom breaks from set that this cast had to convince him or the production crew to let them wheelchair him to the bathroom. Oh my god. Because he was taking too long. Because he would have to use his crutches to go to the bathroom. See, when your method acting starts to become a just a nuisance, then it's, you know, but another great method actor, Daniel Day-Lewis. You never hear negative things about that actor. He just seems nuts, though. He's an asshole. I have heard that. He's not Jared Leto. People have gone on record saying Daniel Day Lewis is a fucking dick. Yeah, but Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, I'm not um, a fan of Jared Leto. Why do people keep, you know, casting this guy? Like he was in House of Gucci recently as well. Like it's like I can't escape the guy, and I don't. Every movie he's in, I don't really care to see. It's how I feel about James Corden. I don't understand how that man still has a position in Hollywood. I don't understand how he anybody watches him. How does anybody find him entertaining? I don't. You're, you're speaking to the wrong crowd here. <laughs> he's the male Amy Schumer. He is literally the male. Amy. He's one of the worst celebrities. <laughs> he's a very hateable celebrity for me. I saw a quote where Amy Schumer said that she was so traumatized from the Oscars that she was taking three months off of work, and someone quoted it and said, "Thank you, Will Smith." <laughs> Thank you. Because of what you did, we now get the privilege of having a three-month retired Amy Schumer. Yeah. Speaking of Amy Schumer, did you guys? This is just going on a tangent. Did you see that she was in a Barbie movie and she decided to not play Barbie anymore, and now it's going to um, what's her name from uh, Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. It's like such it, an upgrade. It's like I feel like they like did that for a reason. Like they like casted Amy Schumer for a reason, like make people happy, and then they pissed her off so much on set she quit, and they got Margot Robbie. Like, See, we tried with this one. See, fat girls <laughs> just really suck. Fat yeah. girls really suck. <laughs> Future right, Frankie, edit that out. Yeah. No, keep that in. <laughs> I think that about wraps up the news for us. So, are you guys ready to get into our reviews for the day? Let's do it. So, going into our first piece of review, if you guys have been following us, you know that Frankie and I are avid Euphoria fans. And ever since we first watched it, we have been trying to get Chase to watch it. And he did watch it for a bit. He watched, I think, maybe one or two episodes, but... I got three the first time. Yeah, three the first time. But then kind of decided in that moment that it it wasn't a show for him. Uh And so Chase and I, or Frankie and I, just continuously were pressing him to watch Euphoria because it was so good. And the Rue special came out. Chase, you gotta watch Euphoria. The Jules special came out. Chase, you got to watch Euphoria. Season two starting to come out. Chase, you got to watch Euphoria. You gotta catch it, was, up. it never felt like it was going to happen, and it eventually happened. So I think the first thing we need to do is get Chase's full review of Euphoria season one. All right. So I was just going to say, I never plan on watching this show again. 
Um, uh, basically, what happened is I must have been like six episodes of the new season were already out, and you know HBO's advertising the crap out of it on on HBO Max, and Rachel's like wanting to watch it, and I'm like, I'll watch the first episode with you, and you'll see, like, you don't want to watch this show. And we both finished the first episode. And I'm like, I kind of want to watch the second episode now. And she's like, me too. Like, let's just let's keep watching. We watched like five episodes that day. I was like, I don't know what's happening, but we're, I'm watching this, so I'm actually enjoying it more than the first uh, watch through. Um, so my first time watching it, I think it just made me anxious. And the most the thing that made me the most anxious about it wasn't the abusing drugs. It was um, uh, Nate's dad. What's his name? Um, just yeah. that that just kind of like gave me really bad vibes. I don't know, especially because it's fucked. I, I, it's really fucked, right? But that's like not, not. I don't know if that's probably not the worst thing in the show, but like that was probably what disturbed me the most the first couple episodes. And obviously, it it fizzles out throughout the middle of the se- the first season, and it gets a lot easier, I think, to watch. Um, but I think that's what really pushed me away from it the first time, and then maybe the drugs after that. But now watching it through watching the first season through i'm yeah kind of mad i didn't watch it all the first time um live like i wasn't on twitter to see people's uh thoughts on it and see uh their opinions and i wish i did but i really i enjoyed the first season i think i'd give it a nine um it was very well done and it just it it, i'd say it was like an okay show the first season like it was like a solid like 8.5 show and then it like the first four episodes, and then it really picked up, and it became like a nine, a nine show, and that's really what I want to say about that. But uh, and then do the you, um, no, no, go ahead, Dan. Do you think that having a companion made the experience different for you? Definitely, um, because I, I'll be the first one to admit I'm very um, in my head. You know, I get anxious super easily on things. So if I'm watching this by myself, like I'm just I having Rachel with me, it's just like this is like so much easier. It's like. Uh, I don't even know what that had to say. It's just easier. It was easier to watch. That's all it was. And it, it became enjoyable. And then by the second season, I didn't even have, I wasn't even anxious. I was like excited to watch the next episode. Like it just, just something would happen, you know, it's just screw anxiety. <laughs> What's funny is you actually finished the second season before Dan and I did. And I think we that's watched, that's what really kind of made me <laughs> step back a second. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Frankie and I haven't watched the finale yet. And chase has already watched it. So we had watched the first episode of season two, and I think we watched a movie that week. And you're like, you got to catch up. Like, the, the season finale is this week. You're like, we'll get to it. Don't worry. And then we watched episode two to episode, how many episodes are in the season? Eight. To the finale. We watched eight straight episodes or whatever <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon. And I texted you guys like, hey, I finished. You're like, fuck, we haven't even started yet. <laughs> yep. But, that shit was fucking, I was like, oh, damn, he liked it. Yeah, it just kept getting better. I, like that's how it was. Like it, it. I don't even know how to describe it. Who yeah. were maybe the top two to three characters that you left season one liking the most? Uh season one, I really liked. I, I would say I like Rue, um, just because the show's based around here. I like Jules, but I don't like Jules as much as a lot of people do. Um, uh, and then I really liked Fez. I think, and that was really who it was. Um. And then people who I didn't like is just Nate and his dad uh, after the first season. And I have I was indifferent to Cassie and uh, what's her name Mod, uh, his character, um, Lexi, Lexi. Yes, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, Rue's definitely a given for most. Yeah, Rue's a given. And then was it? I see. Since I watched all these episodes at once, I don't know if this was the second season where she's having that total breakdown, yelling at her mom. It is the second yes. season because then they're in the other room, and that yeah, was we'll like holy shit. Yeah. Okay. But this is well, I'm very happy you watched it. Thank you so much for catching up. Welcome to the <laughs> Euphoria family. Uh, let's get into our review of Euphoria mm-hmm. season two. I loved it. I loved it too. Oh man, it was yeah. so good. There, there was ups and downs. Not the, not every episode was created equally. But man, when this show is shining, it's shining. It, mm-hmm. There are such good episodes in the second season. And I think a very common theme for the shine i mean it's zendaya like i think yeah. her scenes automatically always are 10 out of 10 scenes yep. mm-hmm. sometimes there's nines sometimes it maybe will be like an eight or a seven scene every zendaya scene i feel like i am like so glued to the screen and just in awe of every word that she's saying yep sam's writing for her character is incredible it's based off of life experiences of course but his writing for her and her entire storyline is the reason I know a lot of people watch the show. They don't care about the the drugs or the glitter or the sex, you know. It's it's Zendaya and Rue and her story because, man, is it something. Um, and I, I love it. I said it when we watched season one. I'll say it again now for the new viewers and for those who are returning. I think Rue and Zendaya's performance of her is the most accurate depiction of addiction I've seen on television. I think it is painfully accurate and really, really good to watch. Well said. (laughs) I will say, though, season two has done a lot for me as a viewer. Um, And there were a number of characters that I either, like Chase said, had indifferent opinions about or really enjoyed from the first season that I left season two hating absolutely loathing. There are, I would say I currently hate most of the characters in the show. Yep. I think that's the point too. It is definitely definitely. the point. Yeah. Sam's stretching how much these charismatic people can do before we're like, all right, they're, they're a piece of shit. Um, the one that I hate without much redemption is Cassie right now. Yeah. I'd say she's one of the worst characters, but that being said, I think still Sydney Sweeney is so great at it and oh, does an amazing she's job amazing. acting yeah. a really poorly written character. Agreed. Her character, yeah, I, there was no, um, there's no character arc really for her. She just like one episode just snapped. It felt like, like maybe she was always like that way, but I didn't notice, but it just felt like she was just went crazy after like the fourth episode and just was nuts for the rest of the season. I also think that the relationship between her and Nate wasn't foreshadowed enough. It's like not a thing at all in season one. There's like anytime you watch those two characters interact, it's there's nothing so i feel like for it to be in season two and for us as an audience to just accept that she's so in love with this person it feels a little out of left field she's so psychopathic it feels a little psychopathic because in season one there was not one moment where she ever ever gave an inch that she was into that guy no yeah it is uh she was obsessed with mckay yep yeah 
And then there's the abortion scene, and I get it because that's really emotional, but it still feels totally out of left field. I think that's one of the weaker points for the writing. Um, One more, I definitely think that for some reason, a character that I thought really shined in season one, which was Kat, had little to no character in season two. Like Her character pretty much was non-existent, which again, um, there's a little more to that. There's like apparently rumors of on-set uh, issues that went on between Sam Levinson and Barbie Ferreira, who is the actress mm. who plays Cat, during what was going to be the you know first episode of season two, which was going to air, you know when it was supposed to before COVID hit. So they had filmed the the whole New Year's Eve episode, and then COVID hit, and then they had to stop production. And apparently during the New Year's Eve episode, it was like three weeks of night shoots because it's a nighttime episode. They're all in a new year's Eve party. And so it was night shoots from like 6 PM to like, you know, I don't know what time in the morning. And so I guess that was quoted to be like intense for a lot of the people that were working. Cause it was just an intense schedule. But then I guess there was like on scene issues with Barbie. So then it seems like that, that ended COVID hit. They went on like a, six month hiatus and then they resume season two and her character's no longer because if you watch the first episode cat's very involved in the new year's eve episode she's very involved and then all of a sudden her character goes left so people think that like that fight that they had sam left and then kind of wrote out her character and then when they came back to film she was just no longer in the show basically i've I've heard rumors i didn't know anything about that i guess i don't really pay attention to what's going on internally but that's kind of fucked if he that's what he did i guess to ruin that character that way the story i heard was that she didn't want i believe it was like a eating disorder storyline that was going to be her main plot for the second season she didn't want it and it got written out of the script and there wasn't really anything to replace it i don't like that cat's character went from like having like a really good character arc in the first season to just Okay, and now I'm going to be a fucking total dick to Ethan. Yeah, she was a total, yeah, see you next Tuesday to him the entire season. And also became very sociopathic kind of all of the sudden. Like, a lot of these characters lost a lot of empathy. Very quickly. Ethan gained a lot. I did not care for him at all the first season. He's a fucking stud in the second season. The the, the, the theater episode, man. That whole scene was was cracking up the entire time. I'm glad they used him, the the actor, because mm-hmm. man, was he good. I don't even know his name, but he was great. He looks like Chase when he was like in high school. <laughs> his really? name is uh, Austin Abrams. They just yeah. have like a similar blonde haircut. I can see it. I can absolutely see it. Yeah. Um, but while you bring up that storyline about the eating disorder that Sam Levison eventually wrote out, people have brought up on social media that there's an unusually large amount of circum- situations where there was a story, the the actor rebuted it, and then Sam Levinson wrote it out. So Sydney Sweeney was in an interview where she was saying that she was originally going to be naked in a certain scene, and then she told Sam, I don't feel comfortable with this, and so he wrote it out. 
And then there's like another interview with Alexa Demi who plays uh, Maddie. And she's talking about how in the hot tub scene with the stepmom, they were going to take their tops off and kind of float around. And Maddie was like, I don't feel like my character would do that. And so he wrote it out. And so people are just bringing up like, why does he keep writing these really just... interestingly weird situations <laughs> to put these actresses in? Like he's super he's, horny. That's he's a weirdly kind of horny guy. And I, I do think though, he's a very gifted writer with Rue. I think he's got a lot of issues and it comes out very clearly in the other characters. Well, what's her I, name? That, uh, yeah. the, what's her name? That plays the stepmom or not the stepmom. Um, the babe who she babysits for, right? Uh, the girl from Friday night lights. That's only two episodes. The mom, oh, the Tammy Lauren, whatever. I know it's not it, but that that's a conservative girl at Fox News. <laughs> the girl who looks like JLo, right? No. Yes. No, no. What's her name? Here, I just want to get this right. Coach Taylor's wife from Friday Night Lights. I don't no, know. No, no, not the not the wife. The the daughter. She's the redhead? God no, hold on one second. Let me get this. I... <laughs> that's Connie Britton from American Horror Story. I'm not talking about Connie Britton. That's what, was, that's what I was thinking of. No, I'm talking about Minka Kelly. Yeah, that's plays... the J Lo looking bitch. Yeah. I guess. Um she's white. Um but no, I was gonna say there's. I saw something about her that yeah, she wanted to get. They wanted her to be naked. It's like she. That's like in her first episode. It's like, dude, she's like <laughs> not gonna get naked for you, man. <laughs> like, and she said she was like super uncomfortable about that. <laughs> He's got a little issues. It seems right. like. But I was like, I'm Mika Kelly naked? Huh? That's interesting. But know, right? you know, she didn't want to. I will say, I think it's really good that Sam like takes his actresses voices into consideration i think he's really progressive on that part that's how my takeaway has been like he listens to them whenever they don't want to do a scene i feel like that's pretty fucking cool 20 years ago 10 years ago would not have happened but i also think like you said exactly it might be harder to not act any other way these days because so many people are watching you that there's only one acceptable response which is okay you know what i mean like he seems like a good enough guy. There is a concerning amount of penises in the show. A lot. It's, it, it's good because, like, you know, it's, like, evening out the amount of titties that we see in, like, every other TV show. But, oh, my Lord, there is a concerning amount of penises. I'm not even, like, I'm not trying to, like, be that guy, you know, because there's, there's a lot of titties, too. But, oh, my God, is there a lot of penises shown. Like, at least 100. Well, and the thing is... No one likes penises. Girls don't even want to see penises. It's not like dudes <laughs> yeah, who want right? to see boobs all the time. No one wants to see dick. <laughs> so it's like, why is there like the locker room scene in the first season? It's like, I, there's no need to have so many dick. And like, I find it funny from time to time, but there's also just like one scene that I thought was pretty unnecessary was when Cal was like pissing on like the, the living room or the foyer no. floor. Like, why do I need to see his dick the entire time? Like, I get it, there's shock factor, but holy fuck, it gets excessive. Uh, there's, there's a lot of penises in the show. The guy taking a shit and he, his dick falls out when Cassie's yeah. in the toilet. Yeah, there's a lot of obnoxious scenes with penis. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of nudity, I feel like, just for the sake of nudity. Um, that probably will change in season three, because we're not the first people in the world to say this. A lot of people have the same criticism. Though I don't see criticism about the penises. I only see criticism about the penises. I have. I've seen many people be like, because when the finale, when the play happened, uh, a lot of people were like on Twitter, like, this is the first episode in weeks where there has not been one penis. People were pointing oh, wow. out the fact <laughs> that in that episode, there was not one penis. 
Yeah. I think I just, I didn't even realize. That. I think I just got used to it. I just saw cock every episode. I, you know, you got. Addie's never seen Euphoria. I'm trying to get her to watch it. And good. her her impressions of it as someone who doesn't watch it, but just sees it always on uh, trending on uh, Twitter, she told me is Zendaya is amazing. It's about drugs. And there's a lot of penises. That's literally yeah. what she told me. Accurate. Very accurate. I'd say yeah. she watched the entire show. If she gave me that <laughs> response. My father loves the show uh, because of Zendaya and the Rue storyline. And every time I'd go to his house and talk to him about it while the second season was airing, he's like, yeah, there's too many dicks for me this time around. <laughs> he's like, there's too many. And my father's a really like progressive dude. And then he's like, yeah, there's a lot of penises. It shows yeah. a lot about Zendaya, though, because I feel like it takes a lot for a young actor to cap to capture the attention of an older audience. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, and like, like your dad, I've seen a lot of older people talk about Zendaya in this show. And it's just interesting because you don't typically see older people into younger, you know, TV or movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen people who haven't seen the show like, oh, it's just a grassy for adults and all that, where I feel like this season it kind of was, but then there's the, like, again, the amazing writing with everything involving Zendaya, and that's where it just, the show takes a step above and beyond a teen drama, and that's where it becomes a really fucking well-written, well-thought-out, nuanced, heart-wrenching television show, and that's why I watch it. I think all of the actors in the show are, are amazing, are amazing, but I do yes. think that without Zendaya, you're right, it would be a teen drama. Zendaya yep. elevates it to a much more serious drama category. Whereas I think if her character was completely not in it and it was about all the other characters, it would be much more of like a show you would see like on the CW or something like that. Yeah. I I completely agree. So, you guys want to talk about favorite characters? Chase, take it away. See, I don't know who my favorite character is. Like, I want to just say Rue because she's, you know, incredible. 80% of the show and it revolves around her. But uh, I don't know. I, it's not Cassie, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think. Oh, oh. Before I, I th- okay, so Fez. I think I like Fez the most. I just think Fez is Wonderful like choice. very real, and he's just a. Even though he deals drugs, he's just a really good human being who actually cares for other individuals. And like, even though he is, he has like a weird com- complex relationship with Zendaya and how he kind of gives her drugs, but is like trying to back her off from it at the same time. But he's like trying to save her life. But he's just like how, how he cares for his grandma, how he cares for Ashtray. Um, he just he's a really oh how he cares for Lexi like he just seems like a totally outside of the killing people part he he's a pretty good dude and I, I like his character especially yes I would say that um I would like to say I don't know what the fuck happened to Ashtray like the last episode or like the whole season his character just flipped and like yeah like, like he was like so calculated the first season and the, the minimal scenes he was in and then it's just uh, completely different in this season and he got dumb. He got really dumb, and spoiler alert, that's why he dies. Yeah. yeah. I, I get why it happens, because, you know, like, the, the whole point, like, is he grew up only knowing violence, so he's, like, going to be a product of violence. But, yeah, I think it could have been written a little bit better. Fez mm-hmm. is awesome. Uh, 
Yeah. I would say, you know, obviously Rue is amazing, right? Rue's mm-hmm. an amazing character. She's mm-hmm. a character that's written and acted so well that she feels like a sister, a friend. Uh, you know, she feels like someone you know and actually care about in real life and like actually want good things for, her. even though she's completely fictional. I like think about Rue as if she's a real human. Um, but uh, aside from the obvious, I personally love Maddie. I think she's an amazing, aside from some of the characters who had terrible storylines in season two, I think Maddie's storyline in season two was incredible. She came out so on top from everything she went through, not just in season one, but and then in season two also. And I just loved all her scenes with the woman she babysat for because I thought they were really well acted scenes. And I thought that they were just, it. I just, I more than most of the characters am excited to see Maddie as an adult, her future where she goes what she does for herself she's someone i really want to like get out of like they say this shit town and go make a name for herself because she's a character that i think really deserves it and i think alexa demi is an incredible actress and she delivers these quips and these one-liners that are just funny so hilarious and it it could be a really serious moment and maddie wants to just say something that'll literally just make me laugh my ass off and when she beats the shit out of cassie the whole world wanted that moment to happen and it was like Mm -hmm. spoiler alert it was like when aria killed the night king i remember on twitter the whole world was like maddie beat cassie up like it was it was like the slap it was an amazing (laughs) you know what's funny is we loved that (laughs) but then like a month and a half later it happens in real life and it's gone completely because it's real life (laughs) yeah but i was gonna say this is why i like social media for some reasons it's that scene the slapping when she beats the crap out of cassie and um people on twitter like dude this is so bad like written because her nails are still intact like her big ass nails you know like they're just judging like that (laughs) they're writing it that way like there's no way she'd keep all of those things (laughs) you know see i hate people like that i hate people like that (laughs) Fun fact, you know Alexa Demi is like mid to late 30s. No kidding. Yep, she's old. No one knows her real age, but she was like in stuff looking the exact same, like above the age of 18, like early 2000s, I'm pretty sure. Says she's like December 11th, 1990. So she'd be 31. Wow. Okay, that's not as old as I thought. I thought she was a lot older than that. So she's like so, Emma Watson's age. I also yeah. think it's funny about how a few of the actors for the show aren't really acting namely fez and ashtray are the exact same in real life Mm -hmm. you could look at any interview of fez and he is 100 that human being the way Mm -hmm. he talks the way he carries himself he was at the oscars after party and there was this like you know super peppy girl from e that was like what are you wearing and he was like I don't know, man. I'm just happy to be here. And it was just like, I love this guy. He's literally exactly who he plays on on screen. Yeah. Alexa Demi has the same voice and kind of demeanor in real life as she does in the show, I believe. Um, the two that I know that are, like, obviously all-star actors is Zendaya. I also think Sydney Sweeney is a really good actress. Like, I Definitely. genuinely think she's a great actress. You uh, never watched The White Lotus, but she's great in that show. She's amazing in that, yeah. Yeah, she's a really, really good actress. She is not Cassie in real life, but a lot of the actors are just their characters in real life. I think my favorite character outside of Rue, and 
Rue is my favorite, but not my most liked character. And I'll get into that in a moment. Is still Ollie. I think he does Anything not about get that. nearly enough screen time. I think he's fucking all-star. I love Coleman Domingo as an actor, as a person. He's incredible. Um, and then I love Rue, but my lord is Rue a piece of shit. Yes. They really stretch how much, how charismatic Zendaya is to be like, oh, yeah, you, you this person you like loved, well, she's going to do some of the most fucked up shit you've ever seen. Like, really, yeah. They, they make her a piece of shit, and I love it, because they just, she's going through the throes of addiction. And if you are listening to the review, you've already had some spoilers. More spoilers are going to be coming. You see her go through rock bottom. You see her go through the most difficult points for people who are struggling and then come out the other side a, a bit higher. Um, I remember watching one of the episodes this season with Ash and she almost couldn't make it through it because she was like, yeah, I've, I've lived through that. And luckily I was never that bad, but I know a lot of people through my experiences that have either lived through that or know someone who's lived through that. And yeah, she is. Zendaya is incredible. She has so much respect for me, and Rue is automatically my favorite because of that. I think the show did a great job at getting us to care about Zendaya's character mm. before making her do fucked up shit. Because yeah. now it's like we are her family, like her mother, like her sister, in that room, just as angry at her. Yep. Whereas like, if that had started happening episode two of season one we may not have been as invested in her and right off the bat we would have just been like fuck rue you know yeah, but right, instead right. it's more of like a fuck rue but also like get it together i want you to so badly yep mm -hmm. and that's where the writing i think is incredible because like ultimately the point is that like someone you love can do terrible things and they can get better and you don't necessarily have to forgive them for the terrible things. You can only move forward and try working past it. And I think they put that theme throughout the show time and time again. Um, and that's where Sam's personal experience with addiction shines. And the writing for that entire aspect of the show, 10 out of 10. I agree. Um, what I like this season with the addiction part is because I thought... Also, when I first watched the show, I thought they really, like, made doing drugs, like, super cool. Like, and, like, not to me personally, but, like, to probably Glamorized a younger it, audience. Yes, it's like, and there are, you know, reports of a lot of kids have OD'd because they watched Euphoria and stuff like that because of how it was glamorized. I, I, maybe I'm making that. I thought I could have sworn I've heard that. I don't want to be quoted, be lying about that, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, rumors. Rumors, but I thought that, and I feel like this season because they glamorized it really in the first season like wow this is you know maybe it's fun and then this season just seeing the downfall of rue and it's like see it's not all fun and games you know there's a lot of uh shit that can happen to you and it's not uh it's not always fun they make <laughs> it ugly yes and they really. show how utterly ugly it is and i i think it's good because a lot of people even like dare spoke out like this show glamorizes drugs, which I've never really seen. I personally disagree with those type of statements because I feel like every single time you see a character do drugs in the show, even in season one, 
it always resulted poorly. You know, I think back to like when Cassie took Molly and had a whole embarrassing moment on that carousel. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Or I think back to like all those moments where Rue was like banging on Fez's door or just like at rock bottom or like when, you know, her sister smoked weed and then like threw up the whole night. Like, I just feel like every time a character did drugs, it usually ultimately ended in like a poorer situation. So you're, I think you're seeing that through the lens of an adult, like a high school kid's not going to see it that way. They're literally going to see the, the the fun out of it. Yeah, the, they see the Rue dropping acid and then locking eyes with Jules. Yeah. You know, they don't, and they see the glitter. They don't see what I see. I think second season, it is front and center, though. Like, there's no missing the message this time around. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a single scene in where drug use is glamorized in the second season. Uh, and it gets really messy. And that it goes into our favorite episodes and scenes from the season. Chase, you want to take it away? Yeah, I think I'm just going to keep it short. I, but really, I think we all agree that episode five was the best episode of the season, um, uh, standing still like a hummingbird. And I'd rather have one of you guys talk about this episode because I watched it once, and like I said, I watched them all like six straight. But I just remember this episode being phenomenal of just falling through through the entire night, just trying to uh, get drugs. Um, right? Is that what happened? Um, yeah, so it's, it's Rue's rock bottom. It's yeah, She Rue... runs out of the house. Yeah, oh, runs so out of the, the car. Yeah, you go. Yeah, for it. episode opens up. Um, Jules had just found out from Elliot that Rue has been using. Jules, extremely concerned, goes and tells Rue's mother, and they throw out the drugs. Episode mm -hmm. starts with Rue waking up. The drugs are thrown out. She's throwing a fucking fit, just berating her mother, breaking down the door, threatening her and her sister, like. Fucking ugly shit. Mm. Like, really brutal to watch. You finding out that Jules and Elliot are there, her just ripping into them, um, breaking down, asking for help, agreeing to go to the hospital. On the way, she finds out it's rehab, freaks out, runs from the, her mother, and then just gets into the most hood rat shit. And then one of the best parts of the episode, she reveals that Cassie and Nate Jacobs have been fucking, which Maddie then right. uh, goes all apeshit on. It, it was, it, the whole episode was just a roller coaster, and Zendaya was doing parkour and like acting her ass off and was like, you know, jumping on car. She was an action star, a drama star, a romance star, cops, a comedy yeah. star. She was like hitting every genre in that episode. And I just feel like mm -hmm. if she was gonna get an Emmy a second time around, it's rigged because they don't want to give her a second Emmy. That's the only she reason. That that episode is her best performance in the show, and I think her best acting performance I've ever seen. Um, and I I love the scene where Rue reveals it because it's such a dick move on her part because she only yeah. does it to create chaos, to escape the situation and to divert attention from her. But Cassie's response is so fucked up. If you watch it, she immediately tries dismissing her like, Oh, she's an addict. Don't listen to her. She's yep. lying. Uh, and it's, which is it's, funny it's, because for the first like five episodes, Cassie was very, and people were pointing it out online. Cassie was very like in every scene, she would be very nice to Rue and was very supportive of Rue. And there would be scenes at a party and she'd be like, Hey Rue, how are you doing? So then all of a sudden when she was like, she's an addict, people were like, Oh no, she's a fucking traitor. She was never nice to Rue. She was an, uh, always a white bitch. And then Maddie was like, Rue. And then she's like, Oh, they've been through the shit. They love each other. 
<laughs> they were always good to each other. Yeah, that episode's crazy. I think the end is my personal theory. Again, we've been talking spoilers. I think Rue got trafficked. I think Rue was at Lori's for days. Because there was like five or six IV marks in her oh. arm. And she was getting drugged. Like, why else is she getting drugged up with morphine when she can take physical drugs? There's all of the motifs of the hummingbirds locked in the cha- cage. The episode's name, Standing Still Like the Hummingbird. She, she has to pay back her debt somehow. Yep. Lori never came back during the rest of the season because Rue paid off her debt. That's crazy. I didn't even think about that, but. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, because I was thinking at the end of the season, like, we haven't seen Lori. Like, that's, that's a crazy woman out there. It seems I, I pretty think dangerous. She was trafficked. And I don't think they said it because that would be really fucking heavy to even just say. But the, the way I read that entire situation was, yeah, I think that she was trafficked and sold off and used. Because that's, that's what those fucking monsters do. You know, they'll drug you up and just leave you on a bed. And, you know, that's how it happens. Um, and I think that's what happened with Rue. And it's really... And I knew when that happened, I was like, oh, this is her bottom. This is where she starts to change. Because that's the type of moment that that's what will bring you to light. You know, that's where it's like, oh, my God, if I keep doing this, I am going to die. Do I want to die or do I want to like do I want to change things? And I think that was her moment where she, something had to change. What she was doing wasn't working. Um, so I think that episode was fucking amazing. My favorite of the series. Well, that'll lead into my favorite episode, since you guys had the same one. Um, was I enjoyed, like you said, Frankie, that was clearly her rock bottom. Because then my favorite episode was two episodes later, which was the play. And mm-hmm. I loved the play for many reasons. A, because Mod Apatow was incredible as Lexi. And again, like Rue, like Maddie, I thought Lexi's character arc in season two was very well done and very well written. And I just thought she had a great character. And I thought the play was so great. And I, But I more specifically liked all of the really quiet emotional scenes the scene with mm. young rue and young lexi sitting on top of the gas station roof i mm. thought was such a beautiful scene specifically a now couple weeks sober rue watching it i thought rue's reaction to that scene was so beautiful and profound mm. and it was like the first time we were seeing rue as like a human being so she has she was point. sober for a month at that point or something like that and it was like mm. the first time in the show we have seen this human being actually smile actually reminisce on her life in a positive way actually mm. like think about a memory in a pot all of her memories of life have been negative. And it was like the first time we saw Rue relive her life in a positive way. And then there was like another scene where they were all sitting outside of the house after Rue's father's funeral. And like Maddie's also there and Cassie's. And you realize as the audience, like, oh, these girls have been friends for a long time. They were friends in like seventh grade. Like Mm -hmm. they've been friends with each other. And it was a really beautiful scene where they were all sitting there with Rue. And again, I just thought it was another quiet but really like heavily spoken scene where it was like nothing was said and so much was said to me in that scene where i was like wow these girls have been friends for a long time they have so much history they were all there for rue in this moment and then watching rue again relive that moment and watch oh yeah all these girls were my friends that i've kind of shat on and treated so poorly again it was like zendaya like you just 
are so good. Like, so the play was amazing, but I think specifically those scenes where Rue got to watch the play and we saw Rue's reaction to the play were why I loved the play so much. Completely agreed. That's good. I, I, I go for it, Frank. I really appreciate the entire purpose that Sam Levinson made with the play. I think that was again incredibly well written because it gives it's Rue, as you said, Dan, looking at her life through a non-judgmental lens, which is very hard for people to do, especially when you're struggling. And it, that it serves that purpose, and it's so beautiful to watch. And Zendaya doesn't even talk much. She does a narration here and there during those two episodes, but just her body language, her physical performance in this few scenes that you get to see her is amazing. And the, I, I just love the message it sends. Um, so what, I guess going into that, because that was the finale, what do you guys expect for season three? Like what happened at the end of season two that you think is going to happen at season three? Like what's going to happen to Cal? Um, I think we get a time skip. Definitely. I think they already said that, didn't they? Because it's not it's not coming out for two more years. It's um so Yeah, because it's not coming out for two more years, they've already said that the show's gonna pick up with them graduated and out of high school. Oh okay. Yeah, because I think Rue stays clean. I think Rue stays clean at least for a while. Maybe not forever, because you know, it's only just for today. I think Rue stays clean through high school. I think that obviously there's going to be a moment where Rue and Jules are going to come to a head and the climax with their relationship is going to happen because they're in a fight and they haven't spoken. And But I really don't want it to. Uh, like you said, Chase, there's a lot of people that don't like Jules. Uh, I am one of them. I cannot oh, really? stand Jules as a character. From the get-go, I felt like... Sh- I-, I didn't like her from the get-go because I just felt like she was a poor influence on Zendaya and was a distraction on her and her addiction. And literally every episode since then, I just feel like she has been a bigger and bigger and bigger problem in Rue's storyline, who to me is the ultimate like hero, right? So anyone that gets in the way of that hero's end goal is a problem for me. And Jules is just... And then for her to get with Elliot, I mean... That was weird, man. I, I've i never wanted someone to be slapped by Will Smith so badly <laughs> in my life. It was an entanglement. I So I'm a really big fan of Jules, but if you remember our season one review, I believe I had mentioned there's no way in hell, at least knowing what I know, that they could ever stay together. Because their representation is a very codependent, very toxic relationship. And Mm -hmm. I hope the resolution is their friends. I hope they forgive each other. I hope they love each other. They cannot be together. I hope they become friends. I hope Jules works on her own shit, because Jules has a lot of fucking baggage to work on. I don't want this fairy tale story where they're back together, because that's not the reality of it. The best case scenario, if that were real, is they forgive each other and possibly become friends. Yeah, so, there's not going to be a fairy tale ending yeah. to that. Not this show. This is I, a- also, I, trust I also think that uh, the show has been for a while now setting up like redemption arcs for the Jacobs 
characters. Yeah. And I've been saying it. Frankie can attest to my reaction as we would watch the episodes. Every time they would give me a scene with Cal that would maybe give you a deeper uh, insight into his life or who he is or where he comes from or why, it never worked on me. Like, I would always end those scenes and be like, yeah, and he's still a fucking piece of shit. Like, okay, he's gay. Great. So sad. A lot of people are. That doesn't give you the right to do all these other things. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, like, and every time a scene would happen, I would just turn to Frankie and be like, a lot of people go through that shit. Like, that's not a valid excuse, again, to blackmail underage minors and solicit sex from them. Like, all these other things. And then same with Nate Jacobs. Like, they're giving him these weird scenes where he, like, destroyed the disc for Jules. And he's kind of being nice. And I'm like, no. No, no. Th- this guy needs to die like Ramsey Bolton. There's only one <laughs> way this character should end, and it should be getting chewed out by his hounds. That is how I think Nate Jacobs' character should end. I think he's irredeemable. I remember vividly us watching Euphoria, Dan, and me vi- like audibly going like, aww, at Cal. And then you being like, what the fuck? I'm just like, all right, you're Cal right. started kissing a guy and he, Frankie's like, uh, I'm like, so because he's gay now, he's all of a sudden excusable in all of his behavior because he is in the closet. Like a lot of people are in the closet, but that doesn't give you the excuse to be a fucking horrible human being right. just because you got mental issues. Like go deal right. with them. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, I just thought it was so fucking funny as you're bringing this up. Cause I remember that vividly. That shit was hilarious. But so Cal, but Cal wasn't soliciting minors, was he? He didn't know Jules was a minor, did he? I mean, I don't think he did. Cal did a lot of fucked up shit. Yes, well, um, you, yes. I don't think he's as bad as Nate. Nate no. is irredeemable in my eyes. Uh, but Cal did a lot of fucked up shit that I completely agree with him. Yeah. To be fair, though, I think the most fucked up thing he did was get belligerently drunk and drive like at a hundred miles per hour. That's where I was just like, "Come on, dude! Like, come, you're gonna fucking kill Rue and Jules and Elliot who are on the road of you at the same time." I'm also I'm shocked no one died in a drunk driving accident. They alluded at it all season long. The entire season, they keep on showing people driving extremely fast while going drunk. Not one of them got into an accident. Not one of them died. I am shocked. That I agree. There was a, a large amount of those scenes where you were like, they're going to crash. And then they wouldn't. And you're like, that scene was unnecessarily suspenseful. Like it yeah. didn't need to be that suspenseful. Cause they did no payoff. I, I think the season finale with Cal. I think that I, I just feel like one thing that does make me feel like, I'm a little less mad at him than Nate is like when he got beat up by Fez, I kind of felt bad for him a little bit. Cause I was like, this poor man is just pathetic. Honestly, that's the best yes. word to describe Cal Jacobs is just a pathetic man. Weasel, Whereas yeah. when Nate got beat up by Fez, was it was sure. satisfying to watch, but I don't feel satisfied as a, as a viewer. I don't feel like that was enough. I, it was not, a, it, I didn't leave the fight going like, okay, you know, like, I think that uh, the fight made me forgive Cal a little bit, a little bit. Okay. 
When, well, when Ashtray hit him with the gun, I was like, Ooh. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off every time. He was just beating the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, I was cheering on Ashtray. Um, going to that then, um, when um, Fez beats the shit out of Nate, I was a little pissed at what happened afterwards. It's just like nothing like bad happened to Nate's like face or anything. Like I was expecting him to be like blinded one eye or fucking he brain healed damage. pretty like, quickly. He just, he healed like in a week, and he's fucking fine again, and he's uh, harassing people again. I mean, what the hell? Oh, within a week, he's like already back to his old ways. It's like, all right, yeah. come on. It's like one hospital scene, and then it's like, okay, he's back. Yeah, and, and, and he looks the same. So. Yeah, I don't like that. I get like Jacob Elordi's an attractive dude, but come on. I don't know. Yeah, I fucking hate Nate. I, I liked him a lot more this season, but I still don't like his character. <laughs> yeah. The only, the most redeemable thing about Nate was how much of a dick he was to Cassie. And that's really fucked up to say, because he was a fucking monster to her. But holy shit, Cassie's really frustrating. I do He's a monster feel... to both girls. Sorry. Yeah. I do feel bad for the actor, because I've always heard people say that when they play villains, it's like, sometimes people are afraid of them in public, or they don't want to go up to them, or like, you know, whatever. And I, I would always think to myself, like, what that's ridiculous that people associate their characters with real life. Like I remember Tom Felton all the time would be like, yeah, like, cause I play Malfoy kids are like afraid of me. And I'd be like, those kids are stupid. Like they can't tell he's an actor. They can't tell he's like, and then, but you know what I have found myself every time Jacob Elordi is like doing an interview or something. I hate him. Like, and I feel bad <laughs> because he's not Nate Jacobs, but I just can't, I don't know what it is. It's like for the first time in my life, I can no longer disassociate character from actor. Like Agreed. I just, I, I see his face and I instantly want him to get hit. Like same. That's how I was when I watched the, um, the Motley Crue movie and Ramsey Bolton's in it. I was like, I fucking hate you, man. I want to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Jacob Lordy's kind of got a slappable face. Oh, he's got a punchable face, man. Yeah, yeah. Will Smith would love it. Well, I think, uh, we would all agree that Euphoria season two was an amazing season and uh, we're all very eager for season three to come out in two years time. <laughs> See, yeah. We'll be revisiting this in th two years. So you guys ready to give our number ratings? Yeah. Yeah. We're all very similar. I give it a nine. I think it's equally as good as season one. I think both of them are amazing. And for me, it's really difficult to say that either of them are better than the other. I would agree. I think it's like just, it's nine, nine Oh each. Um, very phenomenal show. It just gets better. I think that's like I said earlier, like, I just enjoy it. I'm a point higher through all of its flaws. I really enjoyed it. I thought the second season was a bit more entertaining than the first season, especially cause I just rewatched the first season right before. Um, I thought the second season was a bit more entertaining. I think the first season was stronger writing as a whole. Um, but through all of its flaws, I love the show. 9.1. All right, guys. I think it's about time we uh, wrap this episode up. It was a long one. Whenever we come back, they're long episodes. It was a needed. It was a needed length because we've been gone for a long time. Yeah, yeah. We enjoyed this a lot. We had a lot of fun shooting the shit. There's a lot coming up for the podcast, though. We're going to be getting back to regularly recording, regularly uploading. 
Um, we're going to see how the editing works with new work schedules for all of us. But things to expect and be excited for here in the future. The third season of Barry should will be airing soon. We will be reviewing and discussing that. That's in like actually like a couple weeks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Moon Knight is currently ongoing on Disney Plus, and I know Dan and I are watching it. And Chase isn't yet. May. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi is phenomenal. Oh, he's the the best actor on Disney Plus, in my opinion, for the, their shows. He's an amazing actor. I think Elizabeth Olsen is my favorite. I mean, she's incredible too. Obi Wan Kenobi is coming to Disney Plus. We're getting Ellen McGregor back. It's gonna be great. Atlanta Christensen and Natalie Portman. Yep. Mm. Atlanta season three is gonna be coming out soon. I'm we watching some, that right now. It's good. That's awesome. We have some movies coming out this year too. Ambulance just came out. If you guys want to see us do a review on that one, reach out to us at the Popcorn Pod. I believe that's our app on Twitter. And if we get enough, we may watch that. There's also a possible succession binge in the works for us, as I have been waiting patiently for us to finally Shit. watch Succession. Uh, the Northman comes out later this month. We have Doctor Strange coming out next month. The Boys season three this summer. There's a lot of Lightyear comes out this summer. Thor, Fantastic Beasts. Nope. There's a lot to be excited for here on the future of the Popcorn Podcast with Chase, Dan, and Declan. And I hope you guys are excited for the ride. Peace. I think that's where you end it. Okay, yeah. Should we say bye? That's a you guys question. We have to have a, a phrase to intro and to exit. Like, that you do consistently. Like, Keep yes, watching do. movies or like something like that, you know? Yeah, right. Keep on reacting. Like uh, Lights, Camera, Barcel does have a good week at the box office. I'll test this one out. This will be up for debate and just consideration, but just so we can get it over with. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the end of this episode of the Popcorn Podcast. We'll see you next week and keep eating that popcorn. We're canceling that one. Yeah. I literally just off the top. That's improv. We'll You're not. You now. can't improv, though. No. <laughs> I know. All right. Let me get fucking drag out of here. You win, ladies and gentlemen.